here is the business which is led by you. You are still you. And even after you've sold the business, you will be you and all your knowledge will exist. And there are certain aspects of the business that we can neatly package up and put a ribbon on it and say, well, that's the business and we're selling that. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Today on episode 602 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with the co-founder of Ecom Brokers, Ben Leonard. Ben built his business on a laptop in a cupboard and in his spare time, then exited after three years. He now helps consultants sell their e-commerce businesses with his e-commerce consultancy and e-commerce brokerage. If you want to exit your consulting business with cash in your pocket, you want to hear my discussion with Ben. Stay with us to hear all the details. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting or coaching businesses. We've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. Now let's welcome Ben Leonard. Best known as the founder of Beast Gear, Ben is the classic millennial entrepreneur. He built a business on a laptop, in a cupboard, and in his spare time. The difference, Ben grew an international seven-figure business and successfully exited after three years, which is the business holy grail. Now Ben is doing it all over again and helping others to do the same with his e-commerce consultancy and e-commerce brokerage. Ben, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Ben, how did you become an e-commerce broker? That sounds like an um, interesting and, and slightly unusual twist to somebody who has built a business and sold it and is now on to another one. So, you know, it sounds like you're on your way to becoming a serial entrepreneur. Why an e-commerce broker? Yep. Classic answer is I scratched my own itch. So when I sold my first business, which was a physical products business, before I got into any consulting or anything like that, I sold it through a broker. And the experience with that broker, on the one hand, I got a sale, right? I sold my business. But on the other hand, there was quite a lot that could have been better and quite a lot that they didn't do. And in the end, a lot of the work was done by my accountant, who has about 20 years plus experience in mergers and acquisitions, and by me. And so at the end of that process, we put our heads together and said, well, there's clearly a gap here for a better brokerage. And so we decided to make one. And you specifically focus on e-commerce businesses. Yes, we do. And it's fair to say that most of our clients are of the, the physical products variety of e-commerce, but we have a lot of digital consultants, if you like. So that can be ad agencies, could be uh, a video marketing agency, that type of thing. So consultants who exist in the, the digital space. Right. So is it fair to say that they're value proposition is based on knowledge? It's a knowledge business? A lot. You know, it's interesting. We have 
clients will come to us and they'll say, I want to sell my business, but I can't because I am the business. And we say, be that as it may, there's an opportunity here for you to repackage your knowledge, your offering into something whereby, sure, the business has been built around you and, and your brand, but the business doesn't necessarily have to rely on you and your brand. So you can productize your knowledge in a way such that, that the baton of your business can be passed on to a new owner. Right. And the, and the other thing is, you know, since our audience is primarily focused on building knowledge-based businesses, uh, consultants, coaches, other mm. professional service providers, often the business offering is provided by a sole practitioner, even though they usually will have some kind of team, but but the actual delivery is is based on one individual, which also means there's a lot of personal brand that's part of the business brand. Yep. But one of the things that we talk about is if you want your business to be more profitable, and in particular, if you want to be able to scale so that your business is less dependent upon you, the business owner, putting in time in order to make money, you need to make it less about you and more about the transformation that your business creates in your ideal client. Absolutely. And that is uh, something that we say to our clients as well, because we'll have clients who'll come to us who'll say, you know, what, what's our, my business worth? And we'll say, well, your business is worth, in theory, it's worth X, Y, Z. They say, wonderful, sell it now. But we'll have others who will say, well, in theory, it could be worth this, but right now it's not really sellable enough because you haven't quite been through that transformation enough yet, such that the business isn't wholly reliant on you and the business has a little bit of work to be done on it to make it more sellable. So for instance, you know, I mentioned a few moments ago about productizing it, also making the processes a little less reliant on you. I know that in a knowledge-based business, certainly when you begin and probably for the vast majority of the time that you own the business, it is going to be about you and your knowledge, but there's going to come a time where in order to, to make that business more sellable, it comes a point where you're going to need to be, make a bit more of a, a transition to stepping back and maximizing the ability of the business to be passed on, which means you are less involved in the nitty gritty day to day. And that that is handed over to more members of your team. Right. Now, one of the things I hear consultants saying as they're going through this process is fear that documenting our processes and productizing our knowledge and our offering means that it is less about me and the business doesn't need me. And therefore, I'm becoming less and less relevant. And maybe somebody else can just steal the business when they capture these processes or they experience these processes. What I would say to that is that fear is, is based based in legitimacy, but in practice, it doesn't come out of the wash quite like that. And, and let me explain why. In order to make, suppose you've, you've, you've built your consultancy firm, in order to make that more sellable, and this is something that John Warrillow talks about a lot, and he wrote a great book called Built to Sell, um, which I recommend anyone reads if they're thinking about selling, or even if they're not thinking about selling, but they want to know that they have that option in the future. Great book. And he talks about making your business more standardized, repeatable and valuable. And I, I promise I'll come back to the first point in a second. Okay. I have to go here to get there. 
So it's about finding whatever you do in your business that is standardized. That means that you can give to, or you, you either can give or could give in theory to someone else to do. Keep that and double down on that and build systems and processes for it. And if you have employees, hand it over to them because that can be taken on by a new owner. Whereas something that only you and truly only you can do, stop doing it. Now, here's where we address that fear, right? If your business now focuses on whilst you're making it more sellable, right? Building it to sell the things that are more standardized, the things that truly you and only you can do still come with you. And so after you've sold the business with all of your standardized, repeatable and valuable offerings, I'll talk about repeatable and valuable in a moment, you still exist. And all the knowledge you still have, you can still consult on probably charging a, a lot more than you did in your original business. And if we think about this in a supply and demand perspective, the supply is incredibly small. The supply is one. The supply is you, right? And actually what I noticed was after I sold my first business, I was able to consult and charge much, much higher fees than I could have when consulting on e-commerce before my exit, because now I had the exit, right? I had the, I had the evidence, right? I had the, I was the guy who, who, who built the brand and sold it. And because the supply was one, supply was or is me, I, I can charge quite a lot for that from, on a consultancy basis. And then I mentioned before, uh, a moment ago, that, that there are three things to making the business more sellable. The standardized, I just spoke about that. And then there's the repeatable and valuable. So the repeatable refers to services that you might offer as a consultant that need to be purchased frequently. So for instance, if you do strategic planning services for large organizations, well, they don't write strategic plans every day. So that's not very repeatable. So that wouldn't necessarily be attractive to a potential buyer for your business. But if you're doing say SEO or SEM, search engine marketing kind of services, and your client needs an SEM report every month to tell them the uh, effectiveness and efficiency of their keywords, well, that would be highly repeatable. So that kind of service, keep doing that. That's highly attractive to a buyer. And then the valuable side refers to the value to the customer. You know. Do you offer a service that a customer would pay a lot for? That's a lot more sellable or attractive for an acquisition than a cheap service. So on the other hand, if you do something that a lot of other people do, that's not so attractive. So if you do something rare or unique, double down on that and get rid of all the commodity style services and focus on the unique stuff. And that way you can kind of have your cake and eat it, right? You can make your business more sellable, but all your knowledge and everything that comes with you, Joe Bloggs, still exists. And actually, you can probably charge more after your exit because you're the guy that built that firm and then sold it. Right. So let's talk sort of practical details. Mm. One person consulting business, somebody who, you know, is probably, let's say, person is in her or his mid-50s, has been in, in their field for 25, 30 years, you know, maybe 20 years as an employee, 10 years as a consultant, and... Mm is doing okay as a consultant, mm -hmm. but wants to, is really attracted by the idea of potentially being able to sell the consultancy as opposed to just closing it down, which is what most consultants do. Yep. What are some of the steps they need to go through and what can they think about in terms of potential sale value for their business? Yeah, so I would, I mentioned before again, to use that, that word productized and if you think about the things that are deeply dependent on you personally, or the things that customers are only ever going to buy once, 
I would try to eliminate that from the offering of the consultancy. You know, they might feel good. They might keep you busy, give you the impression that your, uh, you know, the, the consultancy is doing well. And, you know, the consultancy is doing well. That's great. But they're taking away from the ability to make it a more sellable practice. And so if you zero in or ask yourself, what are the offerings we have that scale beyond me personally? That's the first part. And by the way, Ben, if you want to take as an example, the, the SEO consultant that you brought up, somebody who's providing mm. some kind of SEO improvement, right, which is an ongoing need. That might be a great example to talk about. Yes. Yeah, so you could offer a subscription model. So clients can subscribe for a repeatable service. Buyers, you know, and by buyer, I mean potential buyer of your business, love a repeatable, stable revenue. So you could do a monthly report on a uh, monthly SEO report on subscription. Maybe you have a mentoring program on subscription that is managed by your employees. Now, I recognize that most of the audience here is a one person operation. But if you're planning your exit, let's say we're 12 months out, might not be a bad idea to either take on employees or freelancers. OK, whether that's uh, domestically or abroad, uh, who will be able to manage certain aspects of your offering through a subscription model. They'll stay with the business when you when you sell it. So will that intellectual property related to that uh, subscription model that you've created. It's a fundamental change that people find scary. It takes you away from the traditional consultancy, um, but it makes it a lot more of a sellable company. And a mistake that I see people making when they they get quite excited about this, like, oh, okay, great. If we turn on, if we create a subscription, I get it. We create a subscription, the business is suddenly a lot more sellable. But the mistake that happens is they approach their existing clients and they say, we're going to move to this subscription model. But they made the mistake of offering the existing clients the option to continue to use them as a traditional consulting firm. And the reason that's a mistake is the client, if given the choice, is going to say, well, that's wonderful. Uh, we're just going to have you continue to do it the way that we want you to. So now you're running two companies. You're running your traditional consultancy and you've got your subscription model. And that's a total pain in the ass. And your business is actually less sellable now. So you need to, unfortunately, give them an ultimatum. We've changed our business model. We believe this better serves you in the long run. And we're going to be doing business with you this way now rather than the old way. And when you do that, they're going to say, well, what's in it for me? Why is this subscription so good? What do I get out of it? And if you answer that well, you'll hook them. And if you don't, you might lose some clients. And that is the, the pain that comes with this fundamental change of making your business more sellable. And I can't deny that that, that can happen. But when you do that, it does make your business a lot more sellable. And I re that's why I really like the subscription model. To give you another example, uh, we had a guy, he was a paid ads expert, Facebook ads, Google ads, YouTube, that type of thing. And he did a lot of ad campaigns himself. So he was, he was for the bulk of it, he was the business. But he had hired a small, small team of three or four people, all, all freelancers overseas, in fact. The business was also named after him. And so we challenged him to give his team some more responsibility, hire a replacement for himself in terms of what he was doing on his own campaign, uh, own ad campaign management work, rebrand the agency to remove his name from it, and offer subscriptions on things like ad performance reports, opportunity reports, website performance. And then also something that was really, really great that he did was he created a membership. So we, we said to him, all these clients that you're working with, either one-on-one -on -one or, or your small teams working with, what about the ones that don't come to you because you're too expensive because you're, you're charging quite a lot, which was great because he was really good. He said, well, I don't really know. And I said, well, what if you offered them 
the opportunity to learn from you for a lower fee. So he created a membership on it with a, basically a learn Facebook ads. It was like a course, but it was a membership with constantly updated evergreen content, which was entirely run by his team. So now he had this evergreen recurring income coming in as well, which made his business a heck of a lot more attractive. And so now his business was a lot more sellable and he was able to exit. And what can people think about in terms of numbers? Like based on, is it based yeah. on, on just the, you know, a multiple of annual revenue or annual profit or is it some other factor? Yeah, so typically it's based off of, uh, there are, are two main uh, measures of business performance that are used. Uh, EBITDA, which stands for earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation and amortization, which is essentially it's your net income plus interest expense, depreciation expense, amortization and taxes, which is typically for businesses doing more than around about one and a half million dollars in revenue. And for on the smaller side, we use SDE, which stands for seller's discretionary earnings, which is basically your business's net profit. And you add back discretionary expenses that would be taken by the business owner. And so this applies a lot more in, in, a, in a small consultancy firm. It's your net profit plus expenses that the new owner, uh, assuming your consultancy is going to be you know, absorbed into the ecosystem of a larger organization, isn't going to have to pay. So your salary, anything you're putting through the business, your travel, your internet, all that kind of stuff. So that's how we value a business based on that. And we apply a multiple to that. And that multiple can be for the smaller size businesses like this. It's, it's anywhere between sort of two and a half and six times, depending on a variety of factors such as. Two and a half to six times the, the annual amount? The, the SDE. Right. Well, let's just, for the sake of this podcast, we'll just call it the net profit. Right. It's net profit plus plus some addbacks of seller's discretionary expenses. So that and that multiple will change depending on the niche you're in, how long your business has existed, intellectual property that you own, the growth history of your business, what's happening in the wider industry and where is it going? All these types of things. Uh, demand, supply and demand. How unique is your offering? So I, I mentioned a few moments ago about making sure that, that, that as you're preparing to sell, that you're doubling down on the things that, that make your business unique. All these things. Uh, so a multiple is, a, is applied to your net profit and that is more or less what your business is worth. But it, of course, it doesn't all come down just to the number, you know, take your net profit, multiply by four, business is worth two million. Sure, but how is that then structured? And typically you can expect that in a competitive environment where you've marketed the business to a pool of the right buyers, then you're going to hopefully achieve somewhere between 70 and 100% upfront. Not quite so likely to get 100% upfront and the rest on, on an earnout. Ben, what are some of the things you have heard from consultants when they realize that they actually have an option to make some changes in their business and potentially sell it? Mm. A mixture of fear and excitement and denial, <laughs> but I am the business. I can't change it. And, I, you know, I say to that oftentimes is you're right. You've done a fantastic job of being the, the figurehead and the spokesperson for your business. But it's possible for us to separate these things out and say, here is the business which is led by you. You are still you. And even after you've sold the business, you will be you and all your knowledge will exist. And there are certain aspects of the business that we can neatly package up and put a ribbon on it and say, well, that's the business and we're selling that. And that fear begins to dissipate. You know, it's a bit of a funny example, but I'm going to I'm going to give it because it helps people to kind of get their head around it. Think of it like Elon Musk and Tesla. 
it's not called Musk Motors, but everybody knows that Elon Musk is the head of Tesla. But theoretically, but he's done a fantastic job of being like the spokesperson, but he could sell Tesla, right? On the other hand, you look at Dyson, James Dyson is so much more connected with Dyson purely because his name's on the product. And so it's a little bit more difficult to tease those things apart. You know, if you migrate from being the hero to the customer being the hero and you being the guide, you can think of it as, okay, great. I've done a great job of being the guide for my for my customers over, you know, X number of years. And now it's time for me to position myself as handing over the baton to the new owner, as it were. That's a, a great metaphor. If anyone wants to learn more about what we've discussed today or explore the possibility of changing their business a little bit so that they could potentially sell it in the future, again, especially a consulting business, where would the best place be for them to go to access any resources you may have, learn more about about it, about what you're doing, or get in touch with you? Where would the best place be for them to go? Sure. Uh, in the first instance, it's ecombrokers.co.uk. Uh, it's a UK domain, but we work internationally. And in the second instance, uh, get me on LinkedIn. Uh, just search my name, Ben Leonard, or email me, ben at ecombrokers.co.uk. Uh, when you head to the website, you'll be able to get a free ebook about uh, how to uh, prepare for a sale. Uh, that's ecombrokers.co.uk slash ebook. Sounds great. Well, Ben, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Smashing the Plateau and share your own experience with uh, selling your your business and how you help others prepare for it. My guest has been the co-founder of Econ Brokers, Ben Leonard. Thank you again, Ben, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Cheers, David. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how you can exit your consulting business with a sale and much more. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to do what they love and get paid what they're worth. On my podcast, I've interviewed hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, many of whom run consulting or coaching businesses. We've created a free ebook with 49 actionable steps from 49 of our popular episodes to help you smash the plateau in your business and your life. It includes tips to help you with your mindset, relationships, business development, and productivity. You can get your copy of 49 Tips to Smash Your Plateau at smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash tips. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.